0: Amen. Let us pray. God, may your spirit fall on us this day. God, may your spirit mold us and melt us. In your name we pray, amen. Matt, I'm gonna go to the pulpit mic, because there's too much echo on this, the other one. Thank you. Today we are uh, continuing our journey into reading the second uh, letter that Paul wrote to his son Timothy and for the past couple of weeks uh, we've been looking at what it means uh, for us uh, as Christians uh, to hear from Paul as he shares uh, a very personal letter to Timothy who calls him his beloved son. Last week we looked at itchy ears um, and what we are called to do and the phrase still is hanging on to me that I'm hanging on to is but you, Timothy, this is what you're called to do in the midst of that, that we are called to proclaim uh, God's word in the midst of that. We looked at uh, the meaning of what it means for uh, these words that we have, that all this scripture that we have is God breathed, God breathed his life into this book. So that you and I can experience new life in Jesus Christ. This morning, we're coming to the end of the book of Timothy. uh, And we're seeing what Paul is saying to him. So that's the context of where we are. Paul is at the end of his journey. So this morning, I feel like it's only right that we start with the sports analogy. Because it's red October. Go Phillies, right? Anybody Phillies fans? All right. Go Phillies. All right. So... Um for those of you who don't know what's happening in Philadelphia, God bless you and keep you uh in the cave that you're living in. So, anyway, so uh there's a uh there's a program on ESPN, it's a sports channel, uh that's called 30 by 30. And essentially, what they do is they kind of follow uh, a professional athlete and they talk to his teammates, his coaches, his spouse, his kids. You kind of get a uh, another look uh as to what um this individual is all about. I remember watching a similar one uh, many years ago along with my dad. It was about uh, uh, an athlete named Carl Lewis. Um, he was um, he was an Olympian uh, and he was born uh, in the deep south. He was born in Alabama and then his parents moved to New Jersey and uh, his story for some reason captured me. Uh, I don't quite know why. Um, his resilience in the midst of adversity was something that I was, I was really drawn to it. Uh, He fought through a lot of injuries Uh, uh, and he inspired me, he inspired me in a a big way. For those of us who love history, um, I was chatting to a friend of mine who loves history um, and I admire history but I don't quite read as much as my other friend does or some of you do. Um, If some of you want to know the significance of the land that we're standing in, you talk to Bruce Montag and he can tell you the significance of Mount Hope uh, uh, And uh, what it meant for us in American history. So anyway, I was talking to my friend uh, about Lincoln. I had recently read a book on Lincoln's speeches um, And I was just kind of going back and forth with him and I asked him Hey, did you ever read about uh, Lincoln uh, this particular book? And he said, no, I haven't read it And he said If you actually, all the books that are written about Lincoln, if you start reading them, it'll take a lifetime for you to finish and just grab the magnitude of what was written about Lincoln. Uh, And anyway, uh, this book, uh, what fascinated me about Lincoln was uh, how... um, How he faced depression, how failure never defined him, uh, how he kept going. He was a man of integrity, even no matter what the circumstances was, he was still a man of integrity. See, my point this morning is when we look at the lives of these professional athletes, right, or a beloved president, um, we are not going to be that person. That's just the reality of it. Um, We are not going to be another Carl Lewis. I doubt there's a Carl Lewis sitting Amongst us this morning, and I definitely doubt I could be wrong I can definitely assure you that there's not not another Lincoln sitting here in this church But the point is we still see their lives We still see their lives and we see how their lives has impacted us. Carl Lewis's persistence He did not give up even in the midst of injuries Uh, in 1996 Carl Lewis was being beat by all these younger athletes and he somehow finds a way to get qualified for the 1996 Olympics and then wins a gold. How does he do that, right? And where do you start with Lincoln, right? And earlier in his speeches, like, you know, he was very anti-church and slowly he found faith and he kind of became more of a Christian and his faith informed some of the decisions that he made later in life. So this morning, this uh, scripture that we read, I want to frame it in this context as if Paul is doing this final interview. That we are that kind of looking at Paul's life through the lens of that 30-30 documentary or a, or a biography and kind of looking at what Paul did. What were Paul's accomplishments? How did he do it? How did he do it? And what can we learn from him? I doubt each one of us can be exactly like Paul, but I think we can learn a few things from him. We can emulate them in our own lives. Paul in 2 Timothy is talking about his end. Paul is more aware of his end has come. He's, He's seeing the writing on the wall. That the days that he's going to be alive on this earth are going to be very few. In the next few days or weeks or months, he's going to leave this life and join life eternal. Paul is aware. Of his impending reality that he faces. And now he's reaching out to his son. His beloved son in the Lord. And he's saying, I want to share these things with you. I want to give you a glimpse as to what life is all about. What Christian life is all about. And here's what he's telling him. Verse 6. For I am ready, being poured out like a drink offering. For the time has come and my departure is near. Departure is near. He knows. Paul knows. His departure is near. And so friends this morning. I want to focus on what Paul is telling Timothy. As he sees his end is near. As he sees that his life has come to an end. What is it that he wants his beloved son Timothy to know? This is what we read in verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. See, Paul here, again, is using some sports metaphors, if you will, that is so appropriate for us to talk about because he knows in the Greco-Roman world, what happens to those athletes who would perform really well? Those athletes who, uh, uh, who would compete in the GroKoremon world, they would get a crown at the end of the race. When they finished the race, the, Paul, they were given a crown. And so Paul is saying, I'm finishing my race here on earth and I will be given a crown. But I think Paul uses three statements as to how he lived his life. And this morning, I want to kind of focus on that and see what we can learn how Paul lived his life. The first one is, I fought a good fight. Second one is, I finished the race. Final one is, I've kept the faith. I fought a good fight. Friends, here Paul is talking about a good fight. He's telling you and I to do the same. When we think of this analogy of fighting a good fight, we're reminded of, the Christian life that is filled with choices every day of our life every day of our Christian life is filled with choices we're called to live a holy life we are called to resist temptations that are constantly around us and we are called to fight we're called to fight the sinful nature that surrounds us for the most part everyone who's sitting here we all live decent lives right you as a congregation have come to know you personally. None of you are murderers or killers. Anything you all want to confess now? Right? <laughs> no? All right. all right. For the most part, you know, we, we live decent life. We live in Aston. We live in a suburb of Philadelphia. We pay our bills, you know. Now and then we might run through a red light. But that's for the most part. Right? That's, who, that's what our lives are. But what Paul here is talking about, fighting the good fight, is beyond being a good person, I think. I think what Paul is asking us to do is, how is it that we are living when no one is watching us? What is it that we are thinking when no one can read our thoughts? How is it that we are talking When no one can hear us. I'm talking about the things that we do when we feel like the consequences are very limited or small. How is our Christian life in those spaces? How are we living as a Christian and fighting those temptations when no one is watching us? Can we declare like Paul saying, I fought a good fight. Friends, this is a difficult challenge. This is not easy to do. What I'm talking here is not easy for us to do because everything in us wants to do that which is not pleasing to God. But yet Paul is saying, I've fought a good fight. And Paul is inviting each one of us to resist those temptations and fight a good fight. I want to share this story with you, and not to make myself the hero of this story, but to give you an example as to how easy it is for us to fall into temptations. I do not like self-checkout at Giant. Okay? I do not like self-checkout. I'd much rather stand in line for 20 minutes and pay someone else do it for me because I don't like it. The other day, I ran out to Giant because Samira wanted to make cookie dough. And we had a couple of things missing. So I ran out. I had maybe six things. A couple of brown sugar, chocolate chips, I think eggs, and something else um, was there. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to do self-checkout. I'm regretting doing it. But I just talk myself into it. I go do the self-checkout. I start scanning them. And all of a sudden, I hear this lo- light's going off. Please wait. Help is on the way. Please wait, help is on the way, right? And I'm starting there, I'm getting frustrated because, you know, I, I feel like I'm very busy and I need to go away somewhere, I don't know where. So anyway, I'm, like, my anxiety is going up, I'm getting frustrated. This lady comes in, looks at it, does something, and everything is cleared up. And what I notice is, on the screen, there are only two things that are there, but in my cart, in my Shopping bag next to me. There are four things. And there's this internal struggle. In my head. That's going on. What do I do? Part of me wants to be very righteous about it. I did the right thing. That lady should have caught it. You know. You know if someone says. You know why I'm walking away. Without paying for these two things. I can be very righteous about it. It felt like. 10 minutes, but that internal dialogue was real, was real. What do I do at that time? Do I call the lady back and say, I need to move these two items out because then again, the weight changes and it all goes up again. What do I do? What do I do? Friends, the fight is real. The fight that we face is real. When no one is looking, when no one is watching, we all have a choice. We all have a choice. And Paul here is saying that he fought a good fight. Are you fighting a good fight for the Lord? Paul did things pleasing to God, but no one was around. He did the right thing. My prayer is, may we find strength in those moments to fight the good fight, when no one is looking. The second thing that Paul reminds us, that he finished the race here. Paul here is alluding to something um, that was spoken of in the book of Philippians as well. Paul, um, The way Paul is talking in Second uh, Timothy and Philippians, it kind of has a very similar connotation or similar uh, uh, formula as well. Uh, where Paul, when Paul is writing to, in 2 Timothy, the circumstances that he is in is very similar to the circumstances that he finds himself when he is writing the book of Philippians as well. In both places, Paul is writing from a prison cell. He's imprisoned. In both places, Paul is aware of that his time has come. Paul knows that, his, that he's going to die pretty soon. Paul is aware of that. And also in both churches, the Philippi church and the church of Ephesians where Timothy is serving, there is this concern that Paul has for the church that the people in the church are going to walk away from the gospel. That they're not going to follow what Paul was teaching them. And he has a big care. There are a lot of people who are talking bad about Paul. It's a very similar situation. So, but this is what Paul says to the church in Philippi. Philippians 1.21 For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am going on living in the body, this will remain fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. A desire to depart, to be with Christ, which is, which is better by far. But it is more necessary. For you that I remain in the body. Paul is struggling with that challenge. Of what to do next. He's almost saying God I'm done. Take me now. But at the same time he's aware. Of all the work that he needs to do. Paul is in that space. And in that space Paul declares these words. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. The way Paul wants to live his life. Is this way. He wants to live his life in a manner that is worthy of the calling that he has received. The way he speaks to his fellow Christians, it's in a manner of the worthy of the calling that he received. The way he treats the Roman guards who, were, who imprisoned him, it's in a manner that is worthy of the calling that he received from Christ Jesus. To live is Christ. Friends, here's the challenge that Paul Is asking us to do is to reflect on our own lives and to see is Christ reflected in the way we live? How is our living? Do we reflect Christ in everything that we do? In our day-to-day actions? Is Christ visible in my living? Is Christ visible in your living? That is the question that we are called to struggle with. The question that I'm asking myself is, is Johnson seen in this living or is Christ seen today. by the choices that I make. The way I handle myself as a person, as a husband, a friend, a dad. Who is visible, me or Christ? My brokenness or the Christ who I believe in? Who is visible? There was a member in my previous church um, who was battling cancer. He started coming to church once he realized that he... Got diagnosed with cancer. And he attended church and he grew in his faith. At one point, he would have been very scared to face death. And the reason I know that is because I sat with him and I prayed with him, saying, I'm really afraid to die, Pastor. I'm really, really afraid. And then we prayed for his surgery. The surgery went well, the chemo went well, and things were looking really good for him. And after several years, the cancer returned he was in remission for several years and during those years of remission that he was in he actually never stopped coming to church he actually grew in his faith during those years he kept coming he kept being more involved in god's word i remember one one day on a sunday i was preaching and i kind of invited people and said if you want to prayers this day come forward us to live is to christ and to die is gain and my friend whose body was failing at this point in time in his life he couldn't even walk without the help of a walker so kind of slowly made his way and as he came up he had the biggest smile he had the biggest smile on his face he did not come up that day for prayers for healing we had prayed those prayers before and god was faithful but that day He came knowing this phrase to be true in his own life. To live is Christ and to die is gain. That was his claim. My friend, he worked as a a maintenance worker for our township. There are no books written about him. There's not a monument that, that is erected in his honor. Nothing. But he got it. He got it. And I believe this morning. He's listening to this sermon. And going man that pastor. I told him not to talk about me. And here he goes again. And finally Paul. Is saying these words. To Timothy. And to us. He kept the faith. A biblical scholar. Named uh, Stephen Fowl Notes that the Greek. Uh, Old Testament. Um, the Hebrew Bible um, the Old Testament was first written in Hebrew and then translated into Greek and when it was translated into Greek It was called the Septuagint And he kind of makes this observation that the word that Paul uses here that says he kept the faith the word kept in Greek um, He says every time when you talk about commandments keeping the commandments keeping the law the same Greek word is used that Paul uses In some ways, I think Paul wants us to remind Timothy and to remind each one of us that he, Paul, kept God's word very closely to him. That he kept them closely. That he followed the commandments that God had given him. I think Paul is reminding us this morning again, what we focused last week Last week we focused on 3.16 and we we read these words, all scripture is God breathed. All scripture is God breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for good work. Here Paul is reminding Timothy and us the purpose of God's word this book that we carry in our hands, or on our phones, or on our tablets, Paul is attesting to the fact that he kept this word closely to him, that he followed this God's word closely. He kept it close to his heart. See, Paul does not shy away from challenges in any way. This morning, we read The challenges that he faced. Verse 16. This would be right. At my defense, no one came to my support. But everyone deserted me. May not be held against me. But the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. This great man, the Apostle Paul. He felt alone and deserted by others. And he's saying to us that God gave him the strength. When no one was around him, when he was alone all by himself, the God, our God gave him strength. How did God give Paul strength? Friends, the answer is because he kept close to this scripture. Because all scripture is God breathed. God put his breath into these words. And when we read them, we get strengthened in faith. When we read God's word, we are strengthened in our faith. Sometimes in the the Christian journey, we kind of become complacent a little bit. We know what God wants us to do. There are no new laws that are written, right? It's all the same. Every week we come to church, we go out, and we know what to do. We know what not to do. But Paul is saying something different here. Paul, at the end of his life, he's saying that he was strengthened because he kept this word of God close to his heart. We are called to read God's word regularly. Meditate on it regularly. If you're saying this morning, Pastor, I hear you. I get it. All right. I want to read God's word. But where do I start? I want to say, if you've never read the Bible... Start with the Gospel of Luke. It's a New Testament Gospel. And you can read it. If you are very extremely techy. And don't like reading from a book. You can download an app called YouVersion. And it gives you each day. A section to read. Or maybe you can read. The scriptures in the context of a community. Join a small group. And read the Bible together. Friends. When we keep God's word in our hearts this becomes crucial for our journey and here is the beauty of what I'm talking about today, here is the beauty of fighting the good fight of finishing the race and keeping the faith Here is the beauty of it. Let me first talk about the difference and then talk about the beauty. When you look at these historical figures that I named like President Lincoln or a sports athlete like Carl Lewis, their accomplishments are their accomplishments. You're not gonna get the gold medal that they received. You're not gonna get the accolades that they received when they finished their race. But here is the beauty for each one of us. When we do these three things, fight the good fight, keep the faith, And run the race. This is what is given to you. In verse 8. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And Here's the good news friends. Not only to me. But also to all who have longed for his appearing. The crown of righteousness is given to everyone. Who does these three things. I believe my friend Woody Sorensen who battled cancer and who passed away. There was a crown of righteousness waiting for him because for he fought a good fight. He ran the race and he kept the faith. And this reward that my friend Woody has is for each one of you as well. Friends, are you excited? Are you excited to fight the good fight? To finish the race that God has placed in front of you. And to keep the faith. Let us pray. Oh God you are a good God. Who call us. To fight the good fight. To run the race. And to keep the faith. God we ask that you would give us the strength. For the days that we are weak. So that one day. One day, we can cherish the crown of righteousness in your presence. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.